and welcome to the Trash Tapes podcast as part of the Enigmatic Productions Network. If you love bad cinema and incredible deep dives into cult film, then you have come to the right place. So if you like what you hear and want to support us, you can do so by donating some funds to our Buy Me A Coffee website, along with the ACAR supporter feature. All of these can be found in the description below. And now, on with the show. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another lost episode of the Trash Tape. One man's trash is another man's treasure. My name is Johan, your intergalactic creature for this evening, as we go deeper down the warp tunnel and leave the fridge with this oddity. The reason why this episode didn't go out is mostly due to structure. Both myself and Ed, while we laughed a lot attempting to break down what, what the hell this movie was, we found it difficult to work around. This was supposed to be Ed's big return episode after several months hiatus. While we had some great guest hosts and so on, this was going to be the big return since he has finally finished moving home by this point. It was still in the older format where we would discuss the entire plot. And to get a good pace, it relied a lot on both myself being in the right energy for the review to work and Ed's soundboard being filled with all the right clips. And well just like the movie, it was a little off. The film itself was far more of a visual affair, and so it didn't lead to a lot of good audio reactions or references, at least at the time of recording. It required a lot more work than I had the time to, and it was here that made me really think about how the show was going to be done in the future. Now that time has passed and I was able to look back at this project with a fresh take, I was able to edit the episode around with a few new points, clips and music to finally make it whole. I was able to use techniques from the new format as well as the other show, The Not So Trash Reviews, to finally give it a completion. And I'm glad I did. I'm glad I was able to resurrect this episode as it's probably one of the weirdest. And so, I will now present to you the very British, very low-budget, surrealist sci-fi horror, Extro. You are about to experience trash cinema.
Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Trash Tapes. One man's trash is another man's treasure. I am your host, Johan Chapul, in the Afflictor of Pain. And I am actually joined by my usual victim and DJ, Edward Harvey. How are you? I am wonderful. Hey. Nice to see you. To see you. Nice. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I knew you were going to come back full DJ mode. <laughs> Thank you for the pause. I hear it in my head constantly. Uh, <laughs> round of applause. Congratulations, buddy. Oh, man. It's, um, it, has been, it, it has been a while, honestly, to the point I've had to cabin some wonderful guest hosts. Uh, but you, there was a lot been going on since then. So do you want to explain to people, other than me trying to explain to people before how you were tr- about the move? How did the house move go? Yeah, I know it seemed like a really long time uh, for just a house move. But we had like a lot to do uh, before, when we moved in. We, we couldn't just kind of like move in and then, you know, unpack everything and then it literally just... Is, you know get back to normal there was quite a long process of like uh that transition so mm. there was part of that and then because we didn't have a living room for a while to like to use <laughs> now i usually record the podcast in the living room which got the most yeah. space and the tv and everything like that. i got connected connected to the tv and things like that so it just became a, like a, a problem uh for recording r- remotely mm. Uh, yeah. So I, I could record other bits, like I'd, I was keep kept the YouTube stuff going and things like that. Yeah. But it was just hard to do remote recording until mm. I was all set up, and now that's all all done. So I can get back on it. Thank goodness for that, because while while it was lovely to have all these wonderful guest hosts, uh, and some of them and some of them really did bring some something different to the table, um, I do feel like we need to. I, I needed you back, buddy. It felt weird because I had to adjust things. Like I had to, like I don't know, be polite, for example. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, like actually have to adjust because I'm used. You know, we're you we're used to the dynamic. Bring someone else new. I don't know what I don't know what the hell they're gonna to bring to the table. I have, I have to plan. <laughs> Did you expect them at some moment to play a sound effect? Like, oh some no, there's no one here to play thought... a sound effect. There's no one here to play something like this. Y'all ready for this? <laughs> you definitely brought the DJ game back. Oh my god. Oh my god, it's Space Jam all over again. Now that you're back with your DJ kit and in full high spirits in a new background, which is basically, that's confused the hell out of me because there's brick walls and shit. So let's now move on to the movie we want to talk about. Now, this movie is one that you reminded me existed because because you were browsing over through, I was Amazon Prime, you're browsing over it and said, I heard about this one just a little bit, like the very first episode we ever did where you said, I saw this thing and then it reminded me, like, oh shit, this is a movie. Well, not only that, before I actually saw the movie, you remember I used to do some like, I used to do artwork for uh, indie labels. Yes. uh, uh, Labels that did like movie soundtracks, Mm. uh, like old, like a lot of old horror movies and stuff. Yeah. And uh, one of the first jobs I had with them was doing uh, like a re-kind of formatting, not not like a proper, proper redesign, for Extro, because they, they yeah. were going to put out the soundtrack to Extro. So they had the rights to do the original artwork, so I just had to kind of reformat it to fit with their template for the vinyl. Mm. Uh, so it wasn't like a, a creative job, really. It was more like just a, a reformatting kind of job. But it was cool. It got me to learn about 
that movie and I was listening I, I got a copy of the soundtrack as well so I was listening so I heard the soundtrack before I saw the film <laughs> and the soundtrack is, is is only there's some good bits on it but most for the most part it's just a guy playing with a synthesizer isn't it it's not like someone headbagging a synthesizer of anything else Tony's father has been away a long time now he's coming home Extro has returned. Once a man, he is now something more than human. Indestructible, ever-changing, evil. His mission, to avenge, to possess, to destroy. Why did you come back? I came back for you. Oh, my God. powers of black magic from deep space. If you think hard about something, you can make it happen. Some extraterrestrials aren't friendly. From New Line Cinema, rated R. But yeah, we're talking about Extra, which I'm genuinely excited for because this one, I think, would be officially or unofficially labelled as one of the first proper video nasties we are talking about. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's funny when you get the vid- whole video nasty thing because when you do, when you go back and look at them, you're expecting it to be something that's really, really shocking. And this movie does have some kind of cool gore and stuff, but it's I was expecting it to be a lot more shocking than it actually mm. is. <laughs> Very true. In fact, I laughed a little bit in some of these places because it. I feel like, because we're going to talk about it in a bit, basic saying that this is, for everyone who doesn't know what the hell Extro is, Extro is a 1982 British science fiction horror film directed by Harry Bromley Davenport. What a name, by the way. I know. Such a British... <laughs> posh name yeah um but speaking which and it stars quite it stars quite a few people but most of them are people who are known in b movies and also just known for like like british television stuff so you had uh beatrice beatrice steggers uh philip sayer and simon nash and it's and it's also this was quite fun because i like science fiction movies and we don't do a lot we, we haven't i don't think we covered enough sci-fi on the podcast no but uh also it's just this is a very and this is probably another another first for the podcast. It's a very very British movie, yeah. Like I really mean, I, British. You, when you did the cast list, there you forgot to mention Miriam Debeau, who was like oh, was yes. in the. She was. I know her from uh, Living Daylights with Timothy Dalton, the Bond film. Yes. She was the, the Bond girl in that, and she, I had a massive crush on her when I saw that movie. I was dead young, but, like, she, she was so beautiful, and this movie uh, is... So I was sort of drawn to her because of that. Come you know, to me. But, yeah, honestly, it's, uh, it's, this, was, this was her first role, apparently, which is... Yeah. Uh, which you know, balls deep, I guess. Like if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go first <laughs> role, go big or go home. You know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely. Oh. Labeled a video nasty, which 
It's the first one we've done, which I find quite interesting. I'm surprised we haven't done them yet, but I feel like because some of the video nasties, while they are trashy, some of them don't... Some of them are actually quite good, and some of them are not actually as trashy as they're labelled to. But no. this one, though? Eh. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a hard shit, one. It's it? like... I, th- I think it's developed a bit of a, a cult following over the year, yeah. over the years. It's like it became popular on um, via Reddit very re- in the recent years, actually, because people kept sharing the GIF where the creature kind of comes out in to the side of the road. But that yeah. GIF, people were going, "What's that movie? I want to find out what that is." And that was a, a thing that was via Reddit. So. Uh, it's it's yeah. generated a little bit of a cult following more lately as well. So Definitely. And I think it's because, right, it's for the time, it's a combination of some very creative practical effects and some which are just bad. Like, it is a good mesh of really good visual effects and dog shit. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. You've got, like, very, very good, like... Uh, horror kind of gore which is like it's, it's amazing and then you've yeah. got other stuff that looks like it was done on like Blue Peter you know like craft <laughs> kind of really cra- like, like bad craft kind of special effects tell me about it the blood in particular which reminds me a bit of like hammer horror stuff but it's some of it's just like oh boy what are you doing here and the movie gets weirder and weirder as it goes So just before we go into the actual thing, as usual, we do a little bit of history. This one's got a bit of a history to it. Mm. Uh, Did you you actually know anything about how this movie was made? No, I just just know that the the director Mm -hmm. pretty much did everything. Well, he he wrote it, he wrote the script and he directed it and he did did the, he was the guy on the sound, on the synthesizer tinkering away, wasn't he? So he did the score uh, as well. Yeah, he did. He did a bit of everything. Yeah. This is definitely a low budget movie. Like this is a movie that had very little to no money, um, and because of that, he you know he a lot of things were done by favors and people he knew beforehand. This was his, technically his second film. Before mm. then, he did another movie called Whispers of Fear, another low budget just movie kind of thing. But the reason why this one got successful is because of two men in particular, yeah. Mark Forstetter, who is uh, who is a producer on this. Right. He pretty much had a bit of a sway with it. But also New Line Cinema got involved into this point. Oh, right. Wow. And and by that point, it went bonkers because uh, Harry Davenport originally wrote the script with two other people or with with one person called Michelle Perry. Mm We came up with the story, had the basic thing for the script. And then Harry just said, "Okay." Basically, I've saw I've seen a couple of interviews with Harry when he's talking about how he's doing filmmaking stuff. I've never seen someone so like plaze about it it's like ah, it's a job maybe it's just like it's like it's not like he's not creative about it but he's he's basically it's a job i got the job i got paid the job like it's a gig not like it was like this was my artistic vision it's like nah someone gave me a script i filmed it god you think he'd care a bit more about because it's developed like you know a, a cult following you'd think he'd sort of want to talk about it more and kind of expand on that rather than yeah it's just gig I got the job because I started the project with uh, a friend of mine called Michelle Parry, who wrote the original script, which was rewritten 400 times, as you can imagine. Uh, But I really owe the setting up of the film to uh, an American expatriate living in London called Mark Forstatter, who, um, you know, really got, got me the job, you know, got me the gig. And to Bob Shea of New Line, 
Uh, and between Bob Shea of New Line and Mark Forstadter and his troops, they put the money together and we created the fabulous uh, work of art, which is today the dreaded extra. So I went to New York for about two months or something. I went out there for a while and worked on the script. Spent most of the time stoned in New Line's offices somewhere horrible near Union Square. It was full of hookers and people and it was just dreadful. Uh, but no, no, Bob, uh, Bob and the people, they were all really on top of it, yeah. No, I felt uh, fine about it, you know. All nice people, all, you know, working away, trying to make our little movie, you know. How was it? Apparently, in this room, while they were rewriting stuff and everything else, their main goal was they saw this, and Robin in particular was a big fan of Phantasm, which came out a few, a, a two years prior. All right, cool. So, have you seen Phantasm? Uh, weirdly, I've seen a lot of the bizarre sequels, but not the original, because I watched... Mm. Um, one of the uh, the drive, you know, the, the the Joe Bob Briggs drive-in yeah. shows, uh, the all-night horror type things. I watched. They just show, they just showed loads of the sequels to Phantasm. So I've seen lots of the sequels, but not the original. Well, so. if it's it's just as weird, basically. Yeah. So Phantasm came out. These producers go like, "That's weird, isn't it?" Hold my beer. Because basically everyone was high as, as, as hell trying to rewrite and adding stuff into the script. Producers, the writers, the directors were just thinking, how can we make this weirder? And that was literally the goal of this movie. There was barely any story. The original script, even though the story was intact, everyone involved decided just to say, let's make this weird. And oh boy, did they make this weird. And you yeah. can, now that you know that half of them were probably high when they wrote it, makes a bit more sense. Well, fortunately, it kind of can go weird because of like the whole kid having powers and stuff like that. So when you've got, when it seems you've got something where some people have got powers, you can, you've mm. got a bit of freedom to go weird, haven't you? Like, <laughs> very, very true. Very, very true. Um, like, for example, yeah, and it basically it's, it, it allowed them to do that because Robert Smith, Ian Cassie, all the other writers, Mark, Mark Forstater basically said, while the plot was kept intact from the original script, but all the new writers went off onto weird and wonderful tangents. Yeah, that sums it up. Um, and it feels as if like everyone had a mandate. Like, for example, Robert, Robert Shane, insisted and said he will not fund the movie unless there's a Black Panther in it. What? That does sound like the behavior of someone who's high. So the Black Panther was his idea. That's right. one thing. Um, everyone thought, basically, everyone was throwing things like this. And Harry had a wonderful, there's a wonderful set of interviews by Harry uh, talking about extra because he's generally proud of it. He's proud of his weird piece of schlock. Um, that it was saying like everyone came up with the idea. The idea of the idea of having a having a snake was someone else's idea. Uh, the, the 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 whole thing about the cocoon was someone else's idea. Uh, the one about the killer toys, which we will get to, is someone else's idea. Yeah. And it was just a bunch of ideas put into a blender and go, yeah, that is weird, right? Oh, but that's kind of cool. That's quite collaborative, then, isn't it? So it's kind of it's 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 come together into something quite. Crazy and, and kind of kind of cool, actually. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't want to keep my rating this early, but like, yeah, it's a cool horror movie. <laughs> it's definitely unique in its scope because yeah. of how random it is. But it also shows that if you have too many cooks, you're going to spoil the broth eventually. If there was any actual story, 
that got lost in all of the weirdness i guess yeah i mean but the story's thin anyway isn't it so it's yeah. all about the this the effects and the kind of crazy scenes isn't it rather than it, this story you don't go for the story in this movie hell no <laughs> <laughs> all you're gonna know is an alien abduction movie and that's all you need to know right <laughs> the movie came out around uh march 1983 in the united kingdom first and then it was released onto video when that happened uh the film was then subjected to be in in relation to being the obscenity law british obscenity laws in other words becoming one of the video nasties now the video nasties there's a list of the video nasties there's quite a few uh movies but overall there were approximately around 80 something films around mm. the time 80 something videos nah mate these are the worst movies they're terrible they are they're, they're bad for society so is it i wonder if particular parts of this that gave it the video nasty label or uh, well to be frank there is that i can think of at least four <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sequences where i'm going yeah that's weird uh, but unlike some video nasties because even some when some of the video nasties came out uh, you know, some of them, obviously they were held behind, but some of them were already edited or told to be censored by the BBFC, right? Mm. This one went completely uncut from the get-go. There was nothing removed at all. The BBFC mm. passed this as an eight, as, 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 as an 18 movie. Like they allowed, they passed it as this as an adult movie, but we're not cutting anything because they felt it wasn't as I think I think the reason why they didn't cut much much of it because it complete everything's completely unrealistic yeah. yeah so is it was it actually a video nasty or was it one of those movies where people consider it a video nasty but actually it wasn't because I, I heard that as well but I'm not sure mm. if that's true or not I get the feeling that the whole, the movie was passed completely uncut mm. right I get the feeling that it was put on the list but for a brief period, but maybe I think uh, but there were rumors about this, that this came out after people were protesting about the movie once it was released. Mm. So I'm assuming that the BBFC passed it. It was perfectly fine for a couple of weeks or so. And then some, and then, and then, and then some conservative people said, have you not seen this movie? How did this get through? <laughs> Who hiss pitchforks? And then the BBFC going, fine, we'll put it on the list. I mean, the thing is, the thing is with, the, with the nasty stuff in this movie, the stuff that would, it would put it under that label. The trouble is, the thing is, it, there is some horrific stuff, but then there's some like really laughable stuff in within the same sort of like few minutes. So it kind of like, it makes you disgust you, then it makes you laugh. So it's kind of like a, it's a weird kind of balance. It is, <laughs> and it's and it's what happens when you have too many cooks in the broth. One's going to say, oh, "It'd be really funny, is it? The kid could control like a gigantic like toy soldier, sure." And the other one going like, "Let's have this woman in a cocoon birthing eggs, <laughs> sure." But it's like, so I feel like sometimes if, in some of those horrific scenes, if yeah. like maybe the acting was better or the editing was better, it would be absolutely terrifying. But like, yeah. because it's got that cheapness to it, now and again, it kind of goes funny. It kind of takes you out of that scared kind of like, I'm disgusted kind of moment. Cause it's like, oh no, actually that's pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's this, this is why I feel like the movie, it was actually quite an enjoyable watch to go through this because even though there were moments of going, that is, that's kinky. That's really weird. That's gross. And then the other bits of going like, well, what the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
we can we talk about how undescribably middle class British this entire movie is? Yeah, the thing is though, I kind of it kind of had a comfort vibe for me because mm. the mother reminded me of the main woman in Hellraiser. You know, the woman she does, that, doesn't she? The woman that kills the people. In the attic in Hellraiser. I kind of like the fact that that's similar, your comfort. Yeah, well, it's kind of, it's because I really love Hellraiser, and that's a comfort horror movie for me. So, uh, uh, True. she reminded me a lot of that type of actress. She does. And I, as well as like, it, just the whole aesthetic of the movie has that kind of, I, I can't describe it. What I mean by middle class British is that. Rachel looks like she's wearing everything that something like Princess Diana was wearing, for example, yeah. right? Everything she wore. All the women look like something, looks like she's wearing the same jumper trouser combo that Princess Diana was wearing. Big yeah. hair, you name it. Some of the shots even remind me of like the new, like a new romantics music video. Yeah. It feels really middle class 80s. And it's weird that if you were not British or weren't around that, it's a very weird aesthetic that some people from outside of Britain, I don't think will entirely get. Yeah. And I, I guess after that, you kind of, you in, you're introduced to the other characters, aren't you? So so like the yeah. mother is in a new relationship with this with American, American chap, Joe, mm-hmm. um, who's always a bit sarcastic, isn't he? Like all the time. Uh, and... Yeah. Uh, he, but he is quite a likable character in a weird yeah. way. And he's likable. He's likable for the first half because he's basically saying, Hey, you know, uh, he, he's just trying to get along with the kid, but the kid for three years, basically say, Oh, daddy's into this. Daddy's into that. And it's just like saying, you're not even giving, you're not even giving Joe a chance here. You know, um, and so you he's also meet the, 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 uh, au pair, don't you? Yeah. Played by Annalise Mariam Debeau, who I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And uh, she's she's not she's a bit half arsed with her kind of like job, isn't she? Very <laughs> much so. Uh like it's she she's basically the living nanny, right? Yeah, yeah. But having the living nanny, right, she barely it sounds like she barely cares. Like she said, going, Oh, do not worry, the boy is old enough to figure it out himself. You need to let him figure it out himself. It's like are you just there for a free bed? You know, she's there. She's basically there to look pretty, pretty yeah. much, right? So yeah, that was basically it. After after that, after that launch, it became a cult hit. It did a little while because because it was underground. Barely, he barely made any movies and stuff. He couldn't make it. He couldn't make anything out of it because it was under the video nasty label. Although it also gave him a little bit of like, hey, you know, he made a video nasty. How great is that? About. About maybe nine years later, mm. he made sequels. There were sequels to this. So yeah. um, interesting Interesting uh, about that, though, is that Harry did not own the right to the story or any of the characters. So he couldn't bring any of the characters or even the look of the original Alien back, mm. right? He did own the right to the name Extro. Yeah, so he owned the name Extro, so he still owns the right to the name Extro. If you use, if you use that, you have to go by Harry's, De- Mister Davenport's office, right? So he made, so he made Extro two, Extro three, and there's rumor of Extro four in the works. Wow, I know uh, that Extro two is like a bit like Aliens. Apparently, it's kind of going more for the actiony kind of like spacey kind of thing. But I don't. I've not seen it. But. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. You're, you're actually generally correct about that. But uh, also, um, Extra Two also stars an alumni of the podcast. It stars Jan Michael Vincent. All right. 
Cool. <laughs> in uh, in a role after after Airwolf, <laughs> where um, things were going very well for him. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so yeah, uh, maybe at some point, maybe as a video, or maybe as uh, maybe as some kind of thing, we will sit through the rest of the extras and see if they work. Well, I have heard that they're usually like with with sequels like like this to films like that aren't particularly amazing to begin with. They go even worse. But apparently, the sequels to Extra are kind of like okay. They're like on par hmm. almost with the first one. So it's kind of like, it is, it's enjoyable apparently to watch the other two. So It's just as cheap, basically. Yeah. I think the idea is that it's just as cheap, it's just as sleazy, it's just as, it's just as trying to be as weird as possible. Mm. But it's also just as funny bad, I guess, because, you know, it's got bloody... You know, it's uh, it's still aliens, and it's got and, and the second one's got Jan Michael Vincent. I know. So. <laughs> I'm drawn to it now. I didn't know he was in it. <laughs> oh, he's in it, and apparently, according to the director, does he uh, get his he shadow came... out? Oh, I wish. <laughs> but apparently, he came on set. He came on set uh, on the day, not reading this, not reading a single bit of the script. He didn't even know what he was doing there. Wow. So, the director, so Harry Davenport, had to read the lines to him minutes before he got on. So he had actually had no idea what the movie was, and he didn't know what anything was happening throughout the entire movie, which to me sounds... I'm even more curious now. I know, right? This, then we might have to do a follow-up, I think. I think this is definitely what we're going to have to do a follow-up. So uh, the plot is, well, the plot of Extro is very, very simple. Um, yeah. So basically it is it is an alien abduction movie. An alien creature, uh, an alien creature uh, abducts, uh, abducts basically a father. He disappears. His name is Sam. He disappears for three years. And in those three years, he suddenly returns. But he doesn't entirely return in the same way he is. He is clearly some kind of extraterrestrial who ends up, who ends up being rebirthed as Sam and tries to reconnect with his wife and son, who clearly are still confused as to what's happening. And then weird stuff happens. Yeah. So and the that's movie, literally the plot. We basically get like a, a cool title sequence at the beginning with... The, I know that we were making fun of the synth earlier, but listen to this. This is the theme. Yeah. And the theme is really cool, I think. Mm. I like it. It's got a really good vibe. It's the only good bit of music in the film, I think, the theme. It's got a I very think... kind of memorable kind of little sort of riff. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and the riff, so the riff sounds like one of those synthesized, you know, flutes, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and basically, yeah, like you said, it's uh, it starts like there's, there's the boy and the, the the father and son are playing with the dog in the garden, aren't they? And yes, uh, they the are. dad throws this the stick for the dog like as, like into space, pretty much. And as it yeah. goes into the sky, you hit you see a flash, don't you? Like almost like uh, the stick has gone into like a, a spaceship or something. <laughs> Someone needs to explain that. So basically, yeah, you threw the stick up as if it was like 2001 A Space Odyssey. It freezes and then it explodes into light. And then you get a kind of cool but unknowing sequence where Sam, the dad, is running around going, step away, son. And then Tony, and Tony, oh, okay. Uh, poor Simon Nash, a.k.a. Tony. 
um, his his accent is all over the shop here, and I kind of love it. He's like a, a typical Cockney <laughs> child, isn't he? He's like he's got a very London kind of accent. I've got a clip of him. Let's listen to him immediately, because basically I can kind of move forward a little bit because he basically that opening was a dream sequence. So yes. the boy wakes up very sweaty, like he's been in a bath. Like kids don't sweat that much. It's like a sauna in that bedroom. Daddy? Ah! Tony, what's happened? Did you have a bad dream? Tell me about it. Daddy was looking at me. Darling, it was only a dream. Come on. But he was taken away. He left us. Now you know that. He'll come back. He still loves us. Of course he loves us. Go to sleep. Good night, darling. There's a couple on on, on travelling somewhere, like they're going to the theatre or something, aren't they? And yeah. you, you get this... Uh, they see this creature kind of put, just come out the side of the road and they nearly have a crash. Yes. And, uh, the, the thing interesting about the creature is, like, it was played by a mime, wasn't it, that could, it like, was. walk on his back. So what he's basically walking on, like, doing the crab kind of walk, but they've put yeah. the head on his back. So it kind of looks like his body is kind of inverted. And it's a really, that's a really cool thing. It makes the creature look really scary. It but- looks cool. Although the one thing that makes it look very cheap is that the mask they use for the face just looks like something you would buy at a Halloween shop. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was interesting to have that look. Apparently the Chris Hobbs, who was a sketch artist who helped design the visual effects for the visual concept for the whole production, originally wanted the alien to involve, a to be a faceless, faceless rubber suited creature so yeah. we're talking very different it was changed from a man standing with no face which you know to mm. this weird to this arms you know grounded arms and legs creature played by a mime which uh cool it's definitely it's definitely a striking image it looks more like an animal than a person basically which is what it's trying to be but the, I, I can't get over how weird the fake, the rubber mask looks. It looks yeah. the teeth yeah. the teeth are open and they look like they look really fake. But it's a cool look. It's definitely which- cool. So yeah, they yeah they, this couple almost crash and he goes out to investigate. They was doing some movies. Like you just kind of if if you weren't quite sure what was going on, you just kind of go, well, it doesn't seem like anyone's hurt. I'll just kind of go on and drive on. But yeah. he, he stops the car and he goes to look into the bushes and this creature attacks the guy. So yes. then um, by, it's uh, something that like comes out of his mouth, doesn't it, when it attacks people? It's it kind of like... whip tongue, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. And uh, then so the, the woman is kind of shouting to him, like, where, where are you? What are you doing? So she goes to investigate. Well, she's about to get out, and then she realises that the, the alien's right there at the car and kills her as well. <laughs> Ashkenazi's interpretation of Debussy's 29th prelude. 
So then you get this, uh, it cuts this scene near this cottage, doesn't it, nearby? But we have to establish again, extravagant how very middle class these people are. They have, they have a, they have a cottage, they have a summer home kind of situation. Well, they have, they own it, but then they now moved into a flat in the, after three years, but this cottage is still there. So they start off with the cottage and now they're in this sort of high rise situation. So I just thought for, for, for the first viewing, I thought, is that the cottage? Is he going back to the cottage and killing whoever's in there? Which could have been the case, but I don't know. But he goes back to the cottage. Yeah. Like you said, and, and there's uh, a the, very, very posh, posh lady uh, with a little dog. Um, yes. And uh, I've got a clip of her, actually, so you can get an image of, like, what she might be like. Yes. Divine, come back. What do you think you're doing? Divine, Divine, where are you? Come back. Divine, come on. So that makes you picture some kind of Princess Diana thing. You just mentioned Princess Diana earlier. It I'm telling like you, Princess Diana is in a cottage somewhere sh- shouting after her dog. But yeah, she's she's suspect the dog and her are suspecting that there's like something outside. So she locks mm. all the doors and things like that. But it still got in, doesn't it? This creature. And I don't know it, how, but it definitely got in here. <laughs> and this is probably one of the most iconic scenes in the movie in terms of gore it is absolutely disgusting but also hilarious as well so the creature comes there's a bit of tension that's built up so he's he's locking all the doors and just kind of yeah uh but then eventually the creature like pops out and it just like it knocks her over and it climbs on top of her and it's 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 creepy because it's quite a sexual kind of scene because like Mm. uh so the, the mouth thing comes out a bit like, I suppose it's a cheaper version of the xenomorph in Alien, isn't it? The mouth yes. thing comes out, like another kind of long mouth kind of comes out the mouth. Yeah. And, and sticks on this lady's mouth. And then uh, she passes out, doesn't she? She passes out, which was, but the thing is, it's, it goes into the mouth. It looks like something's being pumped in, yeah. right? And then she wakes up and she goes, oh, it's fine. She's walking around a little bloody and very confused. She goes, she goes into the kitchen, gets a glass of water, and then she then this then she starts to swell. Yeah, and it, it was what's funny is because it's like it is gross, but yeah. the transition of her all of a sudden just kind of being a bit bloody to absolutely looking like a balloon at one moment <laughs> is quite quick, isn't it? So she she she's grabbing a stomach all of a sudden. She yeah. she has a glass of water, like you said, and she's grabbing a stomach, and all of a sudden she kind of just collapse, and the next shot. You just see her lying on the ground and her stomach is just inflated to like a big balloon. And it's like in Charlie the Chocolate Factory, basically. The blue, don't eat the blueberries. It's just gone full blueberry. You're blowing up. I feel funny. I'm not surprised. What's happening? You're blowing up like a balloon. Like a blueberry. Somebody do something. Call a doctor. Stick her with a pin. She'll pop. It happens every time. They all become blueberries. You've really done it this time, haven't you, Walker? I'll break you for this. I know. It's, it's, this is where, going back to, like, some Hellraiser-type gore, this is great because it, she then basically births a fully grown man. <laughs> yes! 
she burps Sam. Sam <laughs> comes out of her? Yeah. Like, and it's gross. Like, you can see her just popping the head from... I, I will admit, I, it was gross, but I also laughed a little bit because, one, she, he's, he's covered in gore, like, literally covered, like, in this woman's intestines. But it also made me laugh because when I first saw that, my head wasn't going, like, oh, that's disgusting. It made me... It reminded me of Ace Ventura Pet Detective, the second one, where where he's coming out of the rhino. It made me instantly think that, and it just shows, right? Oh, my goodness. Worm! (laughs) Worm! He has to take all his clothes off, doesn't he? Because he gets too hot in there. It's so good! It totally reminded me of of Jim Carrey coming out of a rhino. And it was, it's, it's so good. The it, it, it is a really iconic scene. It is gross. I wasn't expecting it to happen that way. And he, but... the Sam, he bites the umbilical cord, doesn't he? Like rips the umbilical cord. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's a proper literal rebirthing. And then the image that actually struck me out of that is afterwards, we've got alien Sam standing by the sink with a shower, completely covered in blood, just with the shower head over him, trying to clean off all of this woman's blood. Like, all of it. And then we cut back to the the the, the, boy, the son again. Because they're, yeah. they're kind of... We, see, we kind of get to know that the dad and the son are linked. So mm. he wakes up again. It's another nightmare. And he's covered in blood. <laughs> you missed he? the bit where uh, Rachel and Sam... Uh, Rachel and Joe... Uh, uh, Tony walks in on him bonking and it's really such an awkward sequence how can I miss that (laughs) yeah it's like bonking goes like Tony Tony's like the thing is you can see Tony looking at them going I know what you were doing Mm -hmm." (laughs) and then takes him to bed and then like you said completely covered in blood randomly like completely covered in blood and I've got a clip of her the mum's reaction uh, to the, the son. Tony, is it, is it Tony? Yeah. Tony, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Joe! Don't be frightened, Mum. Where does it hurt? I won't be cross. Don't worry, Mum. Joe! What's the matter? Call a doctor. Right, what's he done? Quickly! I, I absolutely love his deadpan voice. Don't worry, Mum. Don't worry, it's Mum. It's all right, Mum. It's okay, Mum. <laughs> It's a little, it's a little Children of the Corn, but also it looks like he's auditioning for Oliver. Yeah. It's like, all right, shine your shoes, Governor. All right, okay, you little Cockney son of a sod. Ah, oh, I tell you. It's, then, uh, so they they call the the doctor. Don't they? they're quite like the doctor character. The doctor comes over to it to like look over the, the boy. Yeah, and I've got a clip of the doctor talking about the Go blood. And where did that blood come from? I don't know. From you? Daddy sent it. How did he send it? Dunno. Just felt something sticky. Hi there, Sam. You got some sleep. In the bed then. I love the way the doctor's not bothered at all. This kid was absolutely covered in blood. And he's like saying, like, yeah, my dad sent it. It's dead, it's dead weird. It's a dead weird situation. And the doctor doesn't like. He's like, well, he might need a bit of psychiatry. But he like, psychological <laughs> he help. He might need a little psychiatry? <laughs> But he's dead casual about it, isn't he? He's so laid back and British. I think we can all agree that Tony has had a rather traumatic experience. And he does still seem to insist that his father disappeared in this bizarre manner. Yeah. He won't accept that his father ran out on him, so he has him disappear in a flash of light. Psychology 101. 
Mrs. Phillips, may I suggest that Tony might benefit from some professional help in this area? Oh, a listen to psychologist. me. Tony simply misses his father. He doesn't need thousands of expensive psychiatrists. Only a little time and care. Hold on, Annalise. Just let him finish. Well, it's just a suggestion. This also demonstrates a little bit about Joe, the uh, photographer, new boyfriend of uh, Rachel, who constantly does not like the idea that, you know, the, how they're still not over it. Like how he's still not over it after three years. Dad ran away, basically. Daddy yeah. ran away. There can't be anything else. He's getting more annoyed where he's saying like, oh, whatever it is. But also... No one else is con no one else is concerned or com or confused the idea that he woke up in an entire pool of someone else's blood, yeah. and no one else questioned it. Because after doctor, there's no police, there's no nothing. Because if I woke up in a puddle of someone else's blood, I'd be very concerned. Okay, so after that, this is this basically. All you need to know about the plot is now at this point is a whole bunch of vignettes, but with Sam eventually comes back to meet them. Before all that, though, I love that Sam actually goes and try and make a phone call. It's a very weird visual effect. He tries to make a phone call in a phone booth and he can't speak. So he rings up the he rings up the house. And as he rings up the house, all you hear is like a <laughs> and then the phone melts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to add actually, he, yeah. he basically, he's got the, his mode of transportation is the car from the people that had the accident. And the and, outfit as well, isn't it? Yeah, he, he steals his clothes and everything. But he doesn't think to get rid of the body of the female. You see him driving around with the, the female victim just in the passenger seat. <laughs> It's kind of funny because you can see, yeah, you can see Sam walking in, going like, "Oh, excuse me," <laughs> trying to nudge her out of the way. This this corpse is out of the way. <laughs> that makes so, yeah. you think that he's not kind of, he's not totally with it, is he? Like this, he's he is like, it's like something's, uh, it's like an, he's basically an alien being that's using his body, and it's not like, it, yeah. but he's kind of got his memories and stuff, isn't it? It's, it's an unusual situation. It's weird because it's not entirely a body snatcher situation. It's mm. like a rebirth situation where the where the alien has been where Sam has been abducted by aliens, has been gone for three years. He comes back, but not as himself or a copy of himself or something. He becomes rebirthed, and now it's him slowly regaining his memories, but he's also an alien. It's very confusing. Yes. We meet when when uh, Annalise is taking Tony off to school. Yes. In the hallway, we meet the neighbour, but there's <laughs> obviously a very bad piece of ADR that's put yes. on for the neighbour, like actress. Because just listen to how her voice sounds. Mm -hmm. mm. Morning. Hello, and how's my little Tony? I'd eat mm. you up. Tony, come on. So What's the accent? Work hard at your lessons, young man. Diligence pays. Tony! What's happened with that with that scene? It's like, obviously, the sound might have been really bad, so they did the ADR. Yeah. So because it's a hallway, they've kind of tried to add a little reverb on it, but it doesn't sound mm. right. It sounds like so it's someone's thoughts or something. It does sound like it, because I don't think it matches her lips at all in anything. <laughs> and it's very bizarre of seeing this older woman who is the neighbour underneath them, who seems to know everything about them, right? Like, the, she is the nosy Parker name. 
whatever. Yeah. And she will appear throughout the movie. And oh boy, does she stop appearing throughout the movie. It's quite uh, jarring with, with her because when you see that op- that first scene where she's talking to saying hello to Tony, she seems yeah. dead nice and like she really gets along with the boy. And then all of a sudden she's like horrible later on, isn't she? <laughs> she she is a secret Karen. That's what she is. She's a Karen. She is a Karen, people. She is she will once something bad happens, she will she will annoy the hell out of you. Annalise, any spare moment, she's bonking away, isn't she? Like with Yes, she's clearly bonking a boyfriend, like whenever she can. And I think this this is just clearly this the moments where it says, Right, we need boobies in this movie. Yeah. And I'm clear I'm that's this is totally the reason why Annalise is here. Because realistically, there's no point for her being there other than just being fodder. I know. And what's interesting, what's like kind of sleazy on uh, IMDb, there's yeah. t- there's tags like in like the plot like plot points and stuff like you know you get tags of like what happens in the movie. There's mm. a tag. It's like full frontal nudity. It's kind of like quite a highlight of like this movie. It's like people go a lot of people go to watch this movie because of the nudity of that actress. <laughs> She is nude about half the time. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Let's talk about Joe's, like, studio thing? Yeah, yeah, can do, yeah. Because he's a photographer, isn't he? Yeah, because he's a photographer. And he seems to always have this one model for every shoot. Which yeah. is like this particular looky, buffy head, a little bit. Uh, she, she sounds, she she sounds more cockney than the kid, um, yeah. and um, it's like very kind of arty eighties stuff. It reminds me of like you know, like the photo shoot stuff in like Cobra that's going yes. on, like in that montage. It's a similar thing, isn't it? Very similar thing because the first shoot, all I can see from the first shoot is Joe trying to talk to his model and say like. Say now, look now. Say stop now. Smile with your feet because <laughs> smile with your feet, please. Because apparently there's a high heel shoe on top of a plane of glass underneath a pool cue being held by a glass of beer, and you're thinking, what is this for? <laughs> what is this for? <laughs> yeah, it's just '80s like pretentious stuff, isn't it? '80s pretentious arty stuff. Okay, Paula, could you stop eating? We don't want to see the crumbs on your toenails. Kev, could you just get rid of that stuff? That's good, and dust off the shoes, that's it. Nearly there, Joe. Okay, now, oh, hang on. Could you remove the food, Kevin, take it away? Joe, 
Holy you want to shit. see a fat foot here. Thank you very much. Paul, you're not selling an orthopedic shoe. That's it, Joe. OK, Paul, could you just arch the foot a bit? Now think of that foot as your face and smile. Cheese, bloody cheese. Paula, let's stop messing around now and just look beautiful. OK, give me that more sandwich. That's it. Have you uh, rounded up those duped eggs yet? They'll be at the lab at four. I'm off to get Tony. No, OK, I'll see you later. Listen, we'll have to do one more for Lloyd, so just keep the Novocaine in the oh, foot, OK? I'm going to take him to the zoo. See if he'll talk to me. Mm, it's a good idea. <laughs> but Rachel decides to say, OK, I'm going to, I'm going to drop her. I'll pick up, I'll pick up Tony so I can talk to him about what happened. Right? So, goes over, goes to pick him up. But then, the, but then uh, the teacher's already there. It's like, oh, can I pick up Tony? He's like, he's already left. Yes. Oh, it's the teacher, and yeah, and there's a whole bit where it's like, no, it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. His dad picked him up, and so I love the response. It's all like, no, it can't be, it can't be, Sam. <laughs> back so in the f- back in the eighties, when you could just say, oh yeah, I'm his dad, and just like, <laughs> it's literal child abduction, yeah. right? <laughs> oh, it's brilliant because uh, yeah, it's like saying it's 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 only just been a few minutes you went over there, and so they chase, and then they see. Alien Sam, by that point. Mm. Hello, Rachel. Mum? Your mum's upset. You bet I'm upset. Good to see you, Rachel. Looking well. What are you doing here? I'm back. You're back? Back from where? I'm not sure. You're not sure? You disappeared for three years without a word. I don't know where I've been. I can't remember a thing until today. I saw Tony in the street, so I... You want to come home? Like it was. That's it, isn't it? I knew you'd come back. They didn't believe me. Who's they? Three years, Sam. Three years. So finally, Rachel and Sam meet again. And the exchange between them is very confused because she's like... Where have you been? I've been... Actually, the first thing they do, she fucking slaps him, right? She yeah. just goes over, gives him a wallop, goes, where have you been for three years, you, you bastard? And he's just basically, I haven't got a clue. Yeah, because his, his whole excuse here is like, I don't remember a thing, I have amnesia. Mm. So it's like, it's like, where have you been? Where were you last time? It's like, all I remember, I was... Last thing I remember, was I was playing with the boy. And then... Uh, they're nothing, and they're at the, and every time they have a conversation, he's trying. They're trying to rejigger his memory, right? So, because he's basically found him, and also he has seems to have no memory of anything. Rachel takes him home, which Joe doesn't really like, obviously, and uh, it gets it gets it, it gets a little bit of a a macho ness between them, where he's trying to say like, "So, how long are you really staying here for?" Like, really. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But uh, don't you, when you watch it though, don't you see it from like Joe's perspective? You, you would be annoyed, wouldn't you? Like 100%. if you were the Joe, if you were Joe, yeah, you know, you'd be I, know, pissed I totally off. get Joe's reaction. Yeah, like you know, if somehow you know the uh, you know my uh, my partner's ex disappeared and then reappears three years later, expecting everything to be okay. Yeah, I'll be annoyed. It's like, so how long are you really here for? What are your motives? What are you doing? He is paranoid from the get-go, yeah. right? Which, good, because this 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 Sam isn't the regular Sam, as they're saying. So it, so the whole thing is like, he's, he's, he basically says, I'm staying here for a while, yeah. right? 
I'm staying here for a while because I need to figure out what I'm doing. Really, that is alien speak or an excuse to say like, right, I can now infiltrate your home, basically. Um, but can, can I just say with Rachel, is do you think Rachel's too forgiving about uh, this? Yeah, she is. But she clearly was very in love with him and she's just mm. kind of like still in love with him. So it's like, mm. even though he's back and he's a bit weird, she's willing to like kind of just forgive him. And she's, but she a cuts him weird. so much slack. <laughs> like she even, at one scene later on, she even finds like like a, a note from like a woman in his po- mm. coat pocket because obviously it's from the coat that he, he stole off the, the guy that had the car accident. Yeah. And um, even knowing that, she like, she like it's almost like backing up kind of Joe's story of he's been elsewhere with another woman and uh, even though she she thinks that might be the case, she still kind of, sort of wants to just get, oh, forget about it. It'll be all right. Sam, if, if it's Sam's memory, Sam would have no idea who this woman is. But we know what this woman is. So, yeah, he, Sam walks in, walks in to see Rachel playing around with his coat, finds a, a photo of a woman who was the dead woman and a whole bunch of money, like a big wad of cash. Yes, yes. which. Which is very suspicious. So he's kind of walking there's like, and she goes like, who's this? And why do you have all this money? And he's literally, his defense is, I don't have a bloody clue. That's literally his only defense. I don't know. After a while, you're going to be, after a while, you say, nah, 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 nah. There's got to be something else here, right? And yeah, like, so the, Tony is obviously over the moon for his father being back. But yes. even he starts to get a little bit creeped out by uh, Sam's behavior at times. Like, there's a bit where he sneak. He's 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 uh, Sam is in his bedroom and he follows mm. him in and he's basically it's, Tony's got a pet snake. We haven't mentioned that yet. Yes, but he there's does. a bit where he's basically eating the snake's eggs. Sam is that I, was got, so gross because the, the boy it. run uh, t- Tony runs off it like because he, he's totally freaked out by that. Duh. So Sam questions him about it. Mm-hmm. What's the matter? You're eating Harry's eggs. I needed them. What for? I'm not the same as before. Do you remember when they took me? Yes. I went to another world. I had to be changed so I could live there. Why did they take you? I was lucky. Could have been anyone. So yeah, eating the the eggs is pretty gross. He he basically takes them out the uh, he takes them out the the the, the case and he like squeezes yeah. them. It like and it kind of runs down his arm and he kind of like, licks licks the juice. <laughs> it does look really gross. He basically becomes some kind of basically another kind of like space vampire because at this point he bites the kid in the shoulder. Yeah. Weird, snaky, veiny shit goes into the boy. <laughs> and if this cancerous lump starts to grow on his shoulder, it is uncomfortable and gross. <laughs> and from that point, because you already got like a bit of a link between this father and son before this. But at that point, yeah. he now has powers that, that there's similar power well similar powers that sam has but he has his own kind of special powers as well doesn't he like telekinesis and things like that yeah if, if, if there are any rules to what these aliens do the rule is 
there are no rules. They do whatever the fuck they want because they literally can. Yeah. They are, they, 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 anything that some people, I mean, the dad has sometimes abilities to melt electronics, which sure the, uh, the kid late, the kid later on has, has found weird ass abilities to make certain things become human sized. Sure. Uh, cocoons. Sure. There are, there's no logic into what these aliens can do. They just do. Yeah. Do whatever they want. Hmm. I mean, yeah, Tony's powers are, are almost limitless because he can literally just uh, just invent anything. He can make anything come alive, can't he? Like these toys yeah. and stuff like that. Because this is the thing. At the first point, he tries that. At one point, he's 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 on he's on his bunk bed. He's look at he's looking at the spinning top and he's making it spin entirely on his own. Which in of itself is actually quite creepy. It's quite a creepy scene of him just staring at it. And he's making it spin, but then you can see how he's not able to stop it. So he throws a book at it. <laughs> yeah. Go, stop it, you. And stop thing, isn't spinning. This, isn't that bit intercut with this clip I've got here? Because there's a clip of like where they're talking about how long the Sam will be staying. And it's like it kind yes. of it erupts into an argument. And it's intercut with him spinning the spinning top. And it kind of, as it's like getting more aggressive. I think that's the clip I've got here. Yeah, that's it. It's adding more tension to it. How long will you be here? Well, it's not up to me. Not long not up to you either please as a matter of fact it is up to me joe because rachel's divorcing you joe not now but why not now everyone's here right so i have a little announcement i'd like to make rachel and i are going to get married oh great thank you i'm so happy for you <laughs> crazy maniac you're out of your fucking mind <laughs> And that sort of sound you hear at the end there was basically the boy just spinning the top with his mind, wasn't it? And it's kind of like, it's kind of a good intercutting scene. It's good to build the tension up because, yeah, yeah, look, we already knew that everything was bubbling on the surface. Joe doesn't like the fact that Sam is in her life now suddenly, right? Doesn't like it at all. Rachel, way too forgiving, like way too forgiving. And Annalise is just Annalise. Really, yeah. she has no opinion. She's just going, "Oh, this is wonderful. Doesn't matter as long as I get pain, I can bang my boyfriend." And why um, is she in the family meeting? I'm, I'm so, sorry. It's like I know she's she's like part. She lives in. She lives there, but she's but she's there to look after the the boy. She's not part yeah. of the family, really. I don't think. So nah. she's dead interfering in the, their family's business, and she's like dead sarcastic. Almost like she deliberately wants to kind of erupt it and make it like more argumentative. The situation. A hundred percent. It's almost like if it's more volatile, then that means maybe they might convince me with more, I don't know, more money, more free time. I don't know. This is clearly some kind of weird gambling situation going on. I, I do have to admit, Joe's performance there and a few other moments when people get mad in this movie, it's fucking weird. Like they don't know how to get mad other than just going quiet, quiet, loud, quiet, quiet, loud. You're out of your fucking mind. mind! <laughs> oh, like, we should God also point out because of the, uh, the snake... Uh, egg eating thing the snake becomes aggressive then and it escapes doesn't it and it, it kind of it goes down through the uh through a through the hole and ends the up neighbors. in the the neighbor we mentioned earlier it meant, ends up in her salad and it's a horribly <laughs> horrible aggressive scene where she smacks it with this uh meat tenderizer and it just yeah, goes and into a bloody, a bloody paste and then she basically like just delivers it upstairs and she says this. I think this belongs to your son. Oh, God. Harry, it appeared in my supper. <laughs> How did it get there? I'm not interested. Clearly, your son is not responsible enough to look after animals. 
Anyway, it's ridiculous keeping a snake as a pet. So we've got with her. We, do, we don't get much more than that, really. To be honest, we get we, in terms of her. We, there's a little bit more of her of character, but we've seen yeah. her when we're introduced to her. She seems like mm. really lovely, like to Tony, and then all of a sudden she, the whole snake thing. I mean, to be fair, it did end up in a food in her salad. It but, literally ended up in her salad. But she is so aggressive at that point. She completely, turned. it's a little. It's, it is a little too far. Like. <laughs> The fact, also, here's the thing. The fact that the kid, she clearly knew it must have been, knew it was Harry, right? Basically, it knew it was Tony's snake, right? Yeah. It could, it could, she could have found a way to try and capture it and bring it back up. But the first thing she does is crunch it to bits, which, once that happens, it leads to a bit of a revenge plot with this one. I know, I think it's like her transition in being sort of nasty. I think it's literally just a plot device, isn't it? To make mm. the kid hate her and kill her off in a, an interesting way like just to just to throw in some kind of cool stuff that the all the whole the filmmakers had in mind this is okay so let's get to this bit because now this is the point where things get weird dumb right mm. so everyone actually this is the point uh, at this point because there was a bit of an awkward family dynamic everyone kind of splits off into three different places right so joe ends up going back to the studio right yeah. Rachel and Sam go back to the cottage thinking that might be a way that he can rejigger his memory, right? Mm. He might think like, oh, if we go back to the cottage, maybe we can find, maybe we can spark up his memory, for example, right? Yeah. And so this then leaves with Tony and uh, Annalise on their own in the house, where obviously then Annalise brings uh, the, brings, brings like her boyfriend around, who in first sight, I'm not sure it was you, for me, looked a little bit like Ringo Starr to me. <laughs> Got a bit of a Ringo Starr look to him. Yeah. He's a, he's a very blokey bloke as well, isn't he? Yeah, it's a big blokey bloke, bloke, bloke. Proper bloke, 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 bloke. So, yeah. And with each one, everything's intercut between the three different places, right? So Joe's doing his work, but he's getting more concerned by stuff. Uh, Rachel is trying to spark the memory with Sam. And then you've got Annalise and Tony. Now, Annalise and Tony's one's where it gets really fucking weird. So, yeah, <laughs> okay. And some of, the, um, some so- of the best parts of the movie in terms of memorable stuff are in this these sort of sections, aren't they, of the movie? Yeah. All this, all, all the most memorable bits are in this sequence where uh, Tony, realising, because it's, it's, his dad went up to him and says, you have magical powers like I do, but you need to harness them. You need to train them like he's a Jedi or something. <laughs> so he goes, and then, so what he does is he looks at his toy collection and brings the toys back to life with a the toy soldier which is very fucking creepy. And the weird juggling clown? Yeah, that's one of those, like, he's got, like, a wooden kind of uh, toy that kind of rocks back and forth that looks like a clown. And so that transforms into, like, um, a small person, doesn't it? Like, yeah. and, 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 like, he he's just very, very creepy. But also, yeah, it's, it's an action man, isn't it, the, the soldier yeah. guy? It's, 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 so you imagine, like, the whole traditional action man with, like, the felt hair and like kind of this you know the plasticky kind of skin and you Mm. basically get like a full fully like a like a six foot man action man that just appears as like a revenge kind of like thing (laughs) to kill off the neighbor 
like just yeah. knocking and at the door. It becomes like some kind of weird slasher movie at this point, like hunting a dad. And it's really weird because you don't see him at first. You know he's grown, but then you don't see him fully because he's in shadow. But then it's kind of funny. The, name, the, the whole sequence is that it goes to the hear a knocking on the door, kind of aggressive knocking yeah. at the door. Opens up, and this is hilarious. The first, because she has a latch on. Once she opens up, literally without even peeking, bolt cutters just go in and cut it. Yeah. And then you, you I, I didn't see the doll at the beginning. This is also a bit that makes me laugh because he, the, the, the action man kicks the door down. Mm. And I was thinking like he's, he's human ish, like you see with the, uh, with the clown. Yeah. What's with the weird plastic head? Well, he's just yeah. He's basically just a. He's in a. It's a, it's different to the the clown. I think yes. it's it's inconsistent to be honest. It's like well, the whole movie's inconsistent. It's like, yeah, they they thought well, let, let's actually make this guy a fully sized action man that's kind of uh, creepy and it, it is creepy. But like, mm. it, I know what you mean. It's like you think that if they're going to make him, he'd just like be look like a normal real soldier, wouldn't he? Like, uh, yeah. But no, but for some got- reason they make him actually like an action man and move like almost robotic doll like as well he can he kind of moves i don't know why they add like robot sounds as he moves because he's not actually mechanical like a robot an action man isn't but they no, do no, they add don't. like a weird kind of mechanical robot noise as he moves and walks around and he's like jerky and uh yeah he, he basically like hunts the the neighbor down and um and, and, and stabs, stabs her. her with his musket on his on his gun uh, but Several what, times. But what's interesting, I thought, what was weird, she hides mm. underneath mm. the sofa. But yeah. there's a bit, in her panic situation, she still fancies a bit of those chocolates, doesn't she? Remember those, <laughs> those chocolates on the floor? Yeah. So she kind of like, her hand goes, oh, no, I'm still hungry though. Even though I'm being terrorised by a weird killer, I'll have, I'll have one of those chocolates. And she, that's what he spots. He sees her hand come out to grab the chocolates. So he just stabs her through the sofa. This woman has no, has her priorities completely out of whack. <laughs> but admittedly, it does come with a very interesting visual where she, you know, he, he gets stabbed. She gets stabbed several times through the sofa. But then you see all these chocolate bonbons being covered slowly but surely with blood. You know, like, this is what I mean. Like, this movie has some really interesting visuals. But then you're also looking at... Okay, so we've got a plastic-headed, <laughs> plastic-headed action man stabbing an old lady from a sofa. Yeah, what is this? Yeah, it just seems really odd. It's like they they obviously wanted that shot of the blood going over the chocolates, but how mm. can we get that to work? Well, we'll make a bit, a little bit hungry, so a hand kind of goes out over these ch- to get these chocolates. I, 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 that now just making me think like is, is, if anyone's ever in a crisis or panicking do people get hungry or peckish when they're in a crisis it's like oh no oh no serial killer coming after me I wonder where are my crisps if anything she'd be the opposite she'd be feeling sick or something wouldn't she like if it was nausea like she'd be like yeah. very afraid but like but now now she really wa- those chocolate bonbons must have been fucking amazing that's Miss Goodman she killed Harry Quick, Miss Mum! If I hear another squeak out of you tonight, I'll be very angry. Do you understand? Yes, Mum. That's her again. I hate her. I'm coming. 
dies. So that's another death. Um, and then this, and then what happens is with, they get Annalise involved. So mm. Annalise, topless, bonking her boyfriend, uh, gets a knock on the door by Tony. Yeah. And it's like, hey, can we play hide and seek, please? I want to play hide and seek, which is, you know, very, I, I don't know what, I don't know what, uh, I, I don't know what anyone would be thinking you'd be in the mood for it. So she's, he's, <laughs> her excuse is like, if we don't answer, he'll, she'll, he'll go away. But then he just keeps knocking. And so she agrees, I guess, just to like, I, lo- I, lo- I like the fact that I'll be, I'll be with you in a few minutes. Like, he's like, I'm coming back, baby. <laughs> hey, basically um, playing hide and seek, boy disappears. Doesn't know where, don't know where she is. She, she thinks she maybe gone down to the lift, goes into the lift, and then <laughs> you see the clown on the ceiling like he's in goddamn Mission Impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very like it goes the movie all of a sudden goes like very trippy in art house, doesn't it? Like all of a sudden, mm. it's like very very arty. Like a lot of the visuals with this in this kind of scene, and it's and when you try and when you tell someone uh, that all this stuff, if if someone asked you about this movie and you were saying like all this stuff that happens in it, they would think you were like having them on, like not like just kind of be, being a bit crazy because there's a lot of stuff in this movie that kind of just appears out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of moments I feel like again explaining how this film got made was just oh look how cool it would be if we had this or how mm. cool it would be if we had that which like like you mentioned before great creative collaboration doesn't make a good movie though because yeah because yeah this clown bit's fucking weird she she gets pounced by the clown gets knocked out by the clown so tony this is so weird tony is holding like a fucking like horn <laughs> being dragged dragging her and the clown's dragging her body which is wrapped in rope and uh, and and then the clown who has a flaccid hammer which is fucking funny so another random joke like the hammer goes flaccid <laughs> and it smacks her in the head anyway <laughs> yeah and doesn't tony then he does the weird thing like his dad does and he kind of he infects annalise yeah right? but it's a bit gross because he kind of does it on her like stomach or something doesn't he like he, he basically yeah. just kind of he like he sort of bites her uh, mm. and like you get this weird cancerous kind of like pulsating that kind of like goes inside her. But instead yeah. of giving her like powers and things like that, like, like he got, yeah, he, she ends up just being like a vessel. <laughs> she gets, she, you, later on, she, you find out when the boyfriend tries to find what the fuck's happened, she is in a cocoon in the bathroom where the cocoon's slowly getting bigger and bigger to lay eggs, right? Fucking weird. But apparently, according to that, um, she, according to the director, that scene was actually, that scene took almost a while, took almost all day to do because they, she actually was in the cocoon. There was not a dummy. She was actually in the cocoon, sitting on a bicycle seat. <laughs> the Apparently, at one point, it was really awkward because she was, she was wrapped in the cocoon. And at one point, it was a lunch break. So she was having her lunch break while wrapped in the cocoon? God. I <laughs> so mean, it does look cool. It, it looks awesome. It does look really good. It is good. a really cool visual. 
Um, just to see later on, just as uh, as she's growing bigger and taller, just these eggs just popping out, going. Bleep, but, bleep. but like I was saying um, earlier about the the mishmash of like good and bad special effects, the eggs yeah. are like what I was saying earlier about like being like a bad craft project. The eggs look yeah. awful, don't they? Like they, it's got like drawn on, kind of like painted on veins and stuff on them. Like that, it that looks, looks like a water balloon. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a water balloon being painted on with veins on and said, this is an alien egg. <laughs> sure. It, it, I would love to see a breakdown of the budget of this movie. See where all the money went. Actually, mm. I, actually, no, we know where all the money went. We know which parts look really good yeah. and which ones look really bad. Yeah, it's pretty clear, and, yeah. I mean the cancer. I mean the, the weird cancerous like infection thing looks really cool. The cocoon looks really really cool. Some of the visual effects in here are surprisingly artsy and cool. Mm. Um, but then you've got eggs and the weird and some weird creative decisions in between that makes you think, going, what's happening here? Um, you know, because r- right after this, the boyfriend gets chased down by a tank. Yeah. <laughs> I love this scene actually because I love the way he tries to uh, defend himself. Yeah, he throws like a towel on the tank, and he thinking that's going to help. <laughs> but here's the thing as well: he tries for the towel, and, I th- and the thing is, you'd think maybe they got it, they would have had a better take, but they didn't. The towel doesn't cover anything. No. Like the, the nozzle is still exposed. Yeah. So it's like if you're trying to like I don't know block the shot. That was a terrible throwing of this towel, I guess. I guess it's like the kind of the mentality of like when you, if you threw something on an animal and make, so it wouldn't be able to see afterwards, but it seems odd that he does it. Like It's not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, here towel, yoink, and just runs up. I love the caretaker. She rings yes. up the apartment building. She rings up the caretaker to go and check on Tony in the apartment and he's like yeah. really really polite to her but doesn't like her and it's obvious at the end of the phone call let's have a listen go for it Mr Knight it's Mrs Phillips here from number six I wonder if you could go and check out my apartment for me Tony and Annalise are there on their own and I can't get through delighted to help you leave it to me Mrs Phillips no problem It'll be a pleasure. Bye. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's like lovely to her on the phone, but then he hangs up and just goes, bitch. So then, yeah, he, he, goes to, he goes to check on them, doesn't he, in the apartment? Yeah. What I love about that bit, by the way, is like the shot is like he's eating what clean, he's just eating oranges, and it's, he sounds more miffed that someone's interrupted his orange lunch. Like he's like, oh, I'm in the middle of eating these slight orange slices. Like a. <laughs> I know, if, if we give the audience also a visual of this guy, he's the, a proper old school caretaker with one of those brown jackets on that the people used to wear, yeah. like in the eighties, like when they were just mm. a, like a workman, like a like yeah. a caretaker or any any kind of like working groundskeeper yeah. anything proper working man's outfit <laughs> yeah. right but then the, the thing is he goes up to the apartment going up to the apartment i love how half-assed it is basically he really doesn't care he goes up to the lift gives a knock no response just goes back in the lift like he's not gonna say can i open the door please no nothing just goes eh yeah he's he's totally not bothered and then he has a problem in the lift doesn't he he gets horribly he he gets killed off in quite a horrible way because you see he sees he sees the lights from the clown 
Yeah. And instead of the clown, like, you know, trying to hypnotize him, just fucking slices his throat. Yeah. There's no need for him to die, really. There's like, now, the kid doesn't really dislike him. Uh, he's just, he's just adding to the fodder, isn't he? Like, a dish fit for a king. Wait, watchers. Now, while all this is happening, we get uh, Rachel, right? We get Rachel and we get Sam. So they end up going through the cottage. The cottage is already opened, by the way. So because at one point Sam has come in at some point and let all the gas in. Oh well, no. In in terms of the gas, he loves mm. just inhaling gas, doesn't he? It's a weird alien thing that he likes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Another alien trope that nothing's ever explained. No wonder I got confused by. It. It's like it's like why are you doing the gas thing? Yeah, because around that, no, about the out. same sort of time when you when you know that he's like eating eggs and stuff like that. Another weird little thing that he does is near the gas fire. He just kind of gets the gas pipe and just starts inhaling, it, going like, mm, yeah, lovely. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So much gas. <laughs> so so guess, weird. He made the whole house filled filled with gas just because it's a comforting thing for these alien creatures. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. So during this time, though, they're trying to reconnect, right? Trying to see if he can jig his memory. I mean, at one point they go for a lovely walk. Well, a lovely walk. I'd say it was air quotes because he finds the bodies. Yeah. <laughs> the bodies are still there. The, the man's body is still there, decomposed. <laughs> These aliens are terrible at, like, you know, cleaning up after themselves. Sam? 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 Someone's been here as well. Sam, what is it? You're shivering. Is it something you remember? You're so cold. I missed you. There is like parallels with like I keep mentioning Hellraiser, but he, he yeah. is a bit of like he's a bit of like Uncle Frank kind of style now, isn't he? At this point, because mm. he is kind of bit starting to deteriorate a little bit and stuff. Like his hair's yeah. falling out a little bit and stuff. Yeah, there's little bits where he's yeah. hiding very well that he's slowly he's not, he's slowly decomposing mm. throughout the entire time. The boy, the boy runs away, meets up with the dad. The dad, they both start to melt, basically. <laughs> the boy starts to melt. Jeez, he starts to melt. Yeah, and this is it. And you kind of see the um the full alien form of the dad, don't you, around about this point? Yes. like, And it looks quite cool, actually. It looks similar to the creature at the beginning that walked on its, you know, the, the guy that's walking on his back, like that kind of... Uh, but it's like he's obviously not walking on his back, he's standing upright. So he's got the weird kind of alien face. And that actually looks yeah. better than the creature at the beginning, doesn't it? I 100%. Yeah. looks really, really good. So... Obviously, they're both starting to melt. The boy, the, I mean, they both run into the for- run into the forest. When Sam and Rachel, when when Joe and Rachel sees them, they start following them. The boy keeps running. This this got me a little bit, and it's like, what a, what what a way to go! And also, just how randomly quick it is. Again, these aliens have no rules. I don't know what their powers are because the dad turns around. There's a high pitched squeal, and Joe's ears just explode. <laughs> Just a random power, like whatever the plot suit, that like whatever whatever works with the plot. Let's just let's just have him have this power at this particular point. That's kind of how it goes. hundred percent. He's gone. Look, what is that? Oh, 
The, the, the mother keeps running, sees the spaceship. The, the, I don't know what it is, because whether it's the wind, the force, I don't know what it is, but the mum's trying to run. It's like, Tony! Tony, no! Come to me, Tony! Doesn't get in, and they just fucking... Yeah. Dispense. And they've both gone. And, like, the mother's just kind of, like, collapsed, isn't she, in, like, sorrow. <laughs> and originally, the original cut of this, that's where the movie ends. It should end there, in my opinion. It's perfect. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 there was supposed to be a little bit more to that ending, right? So here it goes, right? The ending, that was where it should have ended, where the everything just left. She's left her own devices. Everything just goes bonkers, right? It's it's ended, right? She survived the ordeal, but on what price? Because everyone's dead, mm. right? Or, or has now been taken as a space alien, okay? The original ending was a bit different. So Harry Davenport originally intended the film to end when Rachel coming home to her apartment to find clones of Tony mm. having apparently come from the alien eggs, which the real Tony left in the fridge, yeah. right? The clones would then greet Rachel and start rubbing her belly because Rachel's now pregnant with Sam's second child from the sex scene. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> and then Rachel then smiles at the scene and ends, right? That sounds like a, a really good ending. I wish it had gone with that, to be honest. So that was the original, original ending, mm. okay? The executive producer, Robert uh, Shane, thought the scene's special effects weren't convincing enough for that. Okay. And thought and decided to edit it, edit that scene out and just release it in the field. So the idea was that Rachel sits down in the field. That's where the movie ends, right? Mm. However, Davenport hated this when it was the, when it was the premiere in New York, all right? It was a premiere in New York City, and so that was the thing, and Davenport hated that. So, not wanting to end it on such an abrupt note, he went back and shot another ending with Rachel. And this is the ending we got. Mm. So, the ending is... Makes no fucking sense. No. Like, to me, it makes no it's sense. more of the trippy stuff, isn't it? So, Rachel goes back to the apartment, doesn't she? And there's, like, loads of... There's loads of eggs there. And, and a Black Panther. <laughs> yeah. Remember the Black Panthers are there now? horned in. <laughs> Why is there a... I, I'm not even going to explain why the Panther's there. We know it's a it's a trip. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Goes into there. The Panther's floating around. Picks up the eggs. A face hugger arm, basically, grabs her in the face, sucks her face off, and the door closes. The end. I I just think it would have been fine to... If if, if the um, scene with the multiple Tonys it wasn't quite good enough, just yeah. cut it at the, in the field then. like Because it was good. That, that, it's kind of a good, dark, bleak ending then, isn't it? You know? Yeah, it's a downer. Mm. Like, it's a downer ending. In fact, the movie itself, for me, feels like a very big downer movie. It does feel like nothing goes right to, for anybody in this movie. Yeah, that is a, a lot of the criticism, actually, when you see when you read reviews and you see some negative reviews. A lot of people mm. just say that it's just depressing. Like, and I think is. Roger Ebert said that. I want to, he, he, his review, he, he hated it. Like, he hates a lot of, like, low-budget horror movies and stuff. But, like, and he said that it's just depressing and it's just not... It's not interesting, you know? Yeah, well, actually, well, I've got the review right here, yeah. so I can, I'll explain that to you. Yeah, and he's, you're right. Roger Ebert panned the film, giving it one out of four stars, mm. right? Calling the film ugly, depressing, 
despairing and he comes to saying most exploitation movies are bad but not necessarily painful painful to watch they may be in they may be incompetent but they are predictable they may be badly acted or awkwardly directed but at some level the filmmakers are enjoying themselves and at least are trying to entertain the audience extra is an exception a completely depressing nihilistic film and an, ex- an exercise in sadness yeah wow i mean it is a down da- <laughs> it is a, it's a down movie but there's so much like f- fun special effects and craziness going on i don't see it as depressing mm. to be honest 100 yeah I, I don't it's a downer like yeah. no, nothing goes right for anyone but i wouldn't call it depressing no i call it like i i, I call it i call it bleak mm. but like it's almost like a black comedy now because you're looking to go and like everything here is just dark and weird and funky but visual effects and everything else makes it funny or weird or like you want to scratch your head and personally i like it that way <laughs> Greetings, everyone. So, yeah, we're now going to get into the Trashometer 4. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome, and thank you for joining us on our very weird British sci-fi adventure. But uh, for those who, those who are in the know, you know what we're doing here. But for those who don't, this is, we trash, we, we review movies a little bit differently around here. We don't do eight, we don't do A grades or star grades or numbers. We usually go by something called the Trashometer, where we break down the level of enjoyment through how trashy it is. So we start off right at the very, very bottom, which is basically tame. Tame basically means that it is boring. There's nothing interesting about it. Not even really that trashy. You know, could it could have been, we, we need more enjoyment out of it. Tiny bit trashy. We're getting a bit there. There is definitely some trash in there, and there's some enjoyable trash in there, but it could have been more. It could have really pushed the boundary and been a lot weirder or a lot more fun or gory or whatever. Mm. Then there is trash. It's perfect trash. It's mwah. It's the sweet spot. It is the golden goose. It is the it is the it is the anal probe of full trash movies, ladies and gentlemen. It is it, it's this is the one you want to get abducted for, okay? Then you got too trashy. Too trashy means while it's trashy and we're enjoying it, there are definitely moments that we're not enjoying it. Not because we're bored, but because we're finding it frustrating, angry, maybe we're just getting a little bit offended or upset by it. And then finally, at the very, very top, it's torture. Torture means that we absolutely hated this movie. We, are, we wouldn't really call this fun. There is just too much bad balancing out the good, and we just found it a torture to sit through. So, Ed... It's been a while since I've asked you. Where would we put extra on the trashometer? Right. So it's got. It's not. I don't think it's a perfect movie. Actually, I don't think it's perfect trash. There are problems nah. with it. Uh, I didn't like find it. Um, I, I, I suppose it's. It's got to be a little bit into too trashy. I think because there's there's, there's bits mm. of it that are absolutely crazy that we mentioned we talked about in depth and yeah. they just don't really fit, fit they're kind of like thrown in so they are a kind of bit i mean i do like those moments but i think there's yeah. a bit i think it does seem a bit thrown together so that it can't be a perfect amount of that kind of stuff it needs to be it's just a bit it's just a bit crazy in that respect i think so i i would go a little bit too much. I'd say, I'd say, I would agree with that. It's on the lower end of too trashy. And the reason yeah. why is, yes, the there are some amazing moments in this where you're sitting there like, uh, I, I will say one thing, I was never bored. 
But I was definitely getting annoyed and weird and, and, and more trying to find any kind of coherency in this movie. There are some wonderfully visual moments. And yes, the movie is... The movie is a nihilistic, slightly is a downer of a movie when nothing good happens. Yeah. But you know what? But you know what? It was fun while I was there. And... I'm always going to remember, uh, I'm always going to remember a full man being rebirthed, okay? That is a scene that's going to be stuck, that's going to live in the back of my head library forever. And a murderous action man, you know? A hundred percent. There are definitely really big memorable moments in this, right? If, 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 I think if the plot was more coherent mm. and less, uh, if the plot was more coherent and maybe, and maybe, I don't know, may, maybe they were just able, I wouldn't say for most bad movies, you would, you would rein it in a bit, but if there was a way to rein some of it in a bit and make something coherent and still kind of enjoy that. I don't know, maybe, maybe even give it a little bit of positivity, I guess. The movie would be a lot more fun. The movie at some points felt really good and it was fun at points, but it did feel like there's, it's getting a bit much now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I really wanted it to be a trash movie because I do enjoy it, but it, it can't really because it's not, it isn't perfect and it's got problems. And, mm. you know, half of those crazy elements that are added are the problems, unfortunately, even though they're great. So that's yeah. why it falls under too much, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. This movie, Extra, is too trashy. And there we go. My God, it's been a while since we brought that back. Thank you very much for that. So yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I was, I think I was in the same boat as you. I kind of wanted this movie to be a bit more fun. I guess. Mm. I, I, I wish the movie's great in points, but yeah, I wish it was more fun and more silly. Maybe that's how it could have like slipped into perfect trash if it was just a bit more. If it wasn't so down, like, it wasn't so, so much of a downer. It's such a downer, and it was a bit more fun than maybe we'd enjoyed it. But my goodness, does this intrigue you in any shape or form to watch the sequels in any shape? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to check mm. them both out, I think. And that was the end of the episode. I hope you all enjoyed this lost episode full of weirdness and more weirdness. Usually this would be the time where Ed and I would be doing our plugins and talk about what's on. But since this was an old episode, I thought I would butt in and talk about our new way you can help the show. The Trash Tapes now has a funding site where you can drop donations to help with the running of the podcast. If you go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash the trash tapes, you can rent a tape and, do- and donate for as little as £3. Or if you want to keep supporting us, you can subscribe to a monthly fee with some special bonuses. So please check it out. And with that bombshell, I now leave you with this. Keep an eye on your trash. There might be some treasure in there. See you all next time. Adios. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it around with movie lovers you know, maybe add a star rating or write a good review. All of this helps with the algorithm and provides us with more opportunities to reach the ears to a whole new bunch of bad film fanatics. Want to find out more about us? Then head over to our socials where we provide sneak peeks and up-to-date news on everything nostalgic and trashy. You can find our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages in the description. So please, follow us. See you next time, cinephiles. <laughs>